Mayday. This is a call to all you educators out there. It's time to shift our schools. So welcome to uh, Shifting Our Schools, Episode 5, How Do We Connect? And uh, tonight, joining me, we've got uh, David Carpenter from Taiwan uh, at LessonsLearns.EduBlogs.org and from down south of the equator, Chris Blessers is joining us. Welcome, Chris. How are you? Uh, good, thanks, Jeff. Excellent. Down here in sunny Sydney. Uh, that's great. Yeah, but you're headed into winter and we're headed into summer, so just keep that in mind. Yeah, but our windows still aren't that bad. So that's true. That's okay. Yeah, you're right. How are you doing tonight, David? I'm doing well. Just mentioning that word sunny makes a big difference. We've had sun the last day, so very happy here in Sinchu, Taiwan. How about you? How How's the weather been there? Has it warmed up at all? It's warming up, uh, 55, 60 degrees, depending on the day. So we're getting there. You know, I'm getting that spring inch. Been watching baseball and bought my MLB.com uh subscription for the year so i can watch my mariners but uh, yeah so we're getting there we're getting there it's getting there good all right so tonight's show is uh episode five how how to connect and david why don't you go ahead and kind of frame uh, our question for us tonight and then we'll get into uh, a good discussion about some of the things we're all doing in our schools what's interesting when i uh was thinking about this question when we put it together i was thinking on two levels how to connect and one the, the big area of telecollaboration and breaking down the walls of our schools and helping our students and uh, teachers expand their learning communities. But a secondary level um, we were thinking about was how do we connect literally with our devices, whether they're laptops or handhelds and cell phones, and where are we going in, in the field where our students are going to have some sort of device that they can connect wherever they are, and it serves many different purposes. And right before I came on, I was chatting with my wife, and she was saying, well, you're forgetting another area, just the whole idea of connections um, that we look for in learning and helping our students um, learn, especially around concepts, and then the whole hierarchical nature of concepts um, leading to other ideas, and we get that lateral thinking that we've we've discussed in other um, podcasts. So those are three different levels that that have jumped out at me a little bit, and we're hoping Kim Cofino is going to join us. She's uh, a real leader in telecollaboration and and, uh, making a difference, um, along with Julie Lindsay, in her work with the the flat classroom. Um, So that's kind of an intro. Uh, Chris, you want to jump in here and share some thoughts? I just started a new school this year, and uh, at the moment, I'm kind of focused on a bit of non-Web2 stuff because uh, the school's just made this massive investment in interactive whiteboard-type stuff, um, and so we're just getting everyone up to speed with that. But, um, yeah, I've done a fair bit of uh, collaborative online stuff before uh, with, with kids, and one of the interesting things about that is, as I, I think I heard you guys say in a, in a previous episode, it's interesting how so much of that has to be done outside of the regular school framework in order to get these connections going. Um, yeah, you mean, was, you mean outside of the school day? Yeah, yeah, outside of the school day and outside of the school curriculum framework. Um, most of the really cool stuff that I've done over the years with kids in terms of um, connecting with other people in other schools has been uh, by stepping outside of the curriculum. Yeah. Um, you know, that's one thing that... Because uh, it's hard. Yeah, you know, that's one thing uh, Clay Burrell's talked about a lot, and he talked about that the last time when he was on one of our podcasts was about this schooliness, you know, getting away from schooliness. And it really is our curriculum sometimes that gets in the way. I have a perfect example of a teacher who contacted me from Atlanta, Georgia, who wants to do, uh, they're studying uh, Asian history. It's an Asian history class in high school. And so they're looking to connect with a school here in China. So I I go to our teachers, our high school teachers, our social studies high school teachers, and ask if anybody's doing this. And the one teacher uh, covered it back in November, and another teacher just finished it, and they're looking to start a project in April. 
And so they're looking at me like, well, we're not going to go back and study it. We need to cover this, 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 and this. And so, you know, I have a hard time with that because we're, we're putting learning aside and the ability to collaborate with somebody, you know, somebody else around the world, somebody in a different culture, living in a different city in order to get through a curriculum that, uh, you know, either the IB says we have to get through or for our diploma program, we say we have to get to. And so how do you do that? Yeah. How do we, how do we make those connections? How do we, I mean, I don't know. How do we, how do we connect? I guess that's the question, right? I mean, how do we, how do well, we I know, I know when I heard you guys talking about this the other day with Clay and, and you were talk, talking about kids who ought to be able to earn credit for doing things that they would do anyway, but, aren't part of their regular schoolwork. And I think Clay was using an example of some kids who were doing some writing work, but it wasn't part of their school. Right. Um, and I'm just going to tell you a quick story about a, a boy I used to teach named Daniel. And Daniel used to come to school, and uh, in his spare time, he used to run a website. He was really into Formula One car racing. So he used to run a website for Formula One car racing. And it was kind of like the number two ranked website in the world for Formula One rumors. Wow. And he was he was selling advertising on it. He was making a couple of thousand dollars US a month selling advertising on this website. And and this kid's turning up in my classroom, and I'm trying to teach him web, web design. You know, like yeah, <laughs> it's 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 kind of laughable, really. Yeah, isn't it? really. Yeah, yeah. And he has to take the class, right? Because it's part of the curriculum. Um. Yeah. Well, look, the Australian system's kind of different to the um. To the U.S. system in terms right. of the whole pass/fail mentality and the and the earning credit thing, um, so yeah, it's a little bit different in that respect. But but yeah, he he was in school. He had to had to go through the curriculum just like everybody else did. But you know, the fact is that Daniel knew more about web design and building websites and writing JavaScript and all that sort of stuff than you know most professional web developers. Yeah. And he was 14 years old. And I think that you know when we talk about getting out that outside the curriculum, I think we also have to talk about we all talk about this on our blogs, I guess, I guess you have to look at how do you, how do we rearrange education to allow things like this to happen? And mm. I'm thinking about, you know, this teacher who's contacting me, what we need to be doing and this, is, of course, is my opinion, uh, is, is creating learning opportunities for kids and allowing them to choose what to do. You know, okay, we need to study X and you can choose to study it. However you want to study it. Here's the outcome. Here's the standard. Here's the essential questions. And you get yep. to choose how you're going to do that. I mean, I would have loved to go to a teacher to say and say, hey, look, I've got these two kids over here who are doing some amazing stuff. What if we make it their project to collaborate with the class back in Atlanta and they can go take pictures of China and they can write stuff and, you know, the, the kids can ask questions and it'll be their project to go out and, you know, help these kids learn about Asia. Why can't that be mm. what we do? Why can't that be? I don't know. It's a good question, um, and it, it's so much more rewarding. Uh, I did a project a couple of years ago where our school hooked up with a school in Athens in Greece, and um, this is going back a couple of years, just before Sydney was doing the um, Olympic Games. And uh, Athens was scheduled to host the Games in whatever it was, 2004. Sydney was preparing for the Games, and Nagano in Japan had just hosted theirs or was just about to host theirs or something, so it was around that time. Um, and so these three cities that were all about to host an Olympic Games or had just hosted one or who were in the throes of preparing for an Olympics, um, we, we hooked up and did this collaborative project together where we looked at, you know, all the different facets of what a city goes through as it prepares for the Games. Um, and that was so fascinating. And, you know, I was taking these kids out on out-of-school time and, you know, we'd go out and we'd, we'd wander around the construction site out at the Olympic Stadium where they were still building the stadium and the, and the facilities and stuff out there. And the kids would come out with the digital cameras and take photos and, um, you know, collect that sort of data. Now, that, that was a – most of those kids would tell you that was a genuine learning experience and, and way more valuable than anything they were doing in the classroom. Yeah. And so how do you fit that into your curriculum? I mean, how did you make that part well, of your curriculum? We, we didn't. It was co-curricular. It was totally done outside of school hours. So it was meetings at lunchtime, getting together after school. We'd even get together on weekends. But the really interesting thing it was there was absolutely no problem pulling, you know, 15 to 20, 25 kids for a Friday night sleepover to stay up late and do a, you know, um, video hookup with um, schools in other parts of the world so we could get this collaboration yeah. underway. Yeah, that's cool. How about you, David? Well, yeah, looking at that, on that how to connect and how to build in the structure, I think between uh, Clay's elective class that he offered 
uh, for our students to come in and say, what is it that you want to learn more about? And that we're going to find these subject matter experts and people in Clay's uh, network, and we're going we're gonna to make that connection. And then here at Senshu International School in Taiwan, every Wednesday morning there's a structured, I call it structured because you need the structure, but it's a, a very flexible time each Wednesday morning where the whole semester uh, students choose some area of interest, something they want to learn more about, and we call this time choice, uh, where they then group with other students who are, very, are interested in the same thing, and they have a, a faculty uh, advisor, but it's them doing just what you were saying, Jeff, that they, they find what they're interested in, they pursue the studies, and the, the connections are made because it's structured into the, uh, into the day, and I, I think it meets those purposes. So, so much of what we talk about is open-endedness, pursue what you're interested in, but as we know, we, we deal in these very regimented, structured schools, so how can we grab hold of that structure and make it work for us? And Clearly, we need to have uh, administrative leadership to say, yes, we believe in that, so we're going to make that happen. So in the case of that school in Atlanta, if you had this choice time, you could go into the next assembly and say, look, who's interested in making this connection with students in uh, the United States and helping them learn about China? And that's how you would make that connection. And then if you had that time every Tuesday, Wednesday morning, that's when those students could come together and, and work as a team. Yeah, you know, and it comes back to differentiated learning. You know, we all talk about it. But, you know, if I have a kid or like, you know, like you were saying, Chris, you have this kid who makes websites and he's into marketing and he's into, you know, doing so much more outside of school. How do we how do we connect into those kids and make what they're passionate about part of what they do in school? And, you know, we talk about differentiated learning, but how many teachers are actually thinking about differentiated learning in ways that go beyond you get a different worksheet than this kid or you only have to do 25 problems and that kid has to do 55 or you're going to do page 35 and this kid's going to do page 86 you know what i mean i mean i don't think we yeah yeah, absolutely i don't think we get to the passion of what kids are we wonder why kids keep or you know continue to turn off of school and i i've you know the last two days and i'm still riding high because i i saw a presentation today from eighth graders that was just the best presentation I've seen out of middle school or high school, I think ever. And it was just excellent. And the kids were passionate about what they were talking about. Uh, They're trying to go to a conference up in Beijing. Iricos is putting on a a global issues network conference for students. And so there's four groups left and two of them get to go up to Beijing. And I'm one of the judges and they were so passionate about what they were doing. And I talked to them afterwards about how to make their PowerPoint better and, you know, make sure you watch this. And what about doing this? And they were totally into it. And we got them talking and they just kept saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That is exactly, that's so cool. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But you know, it's found something for them that they're passionate about. And the teachers have released them from social studies class to continue working on this project. And it's, I mean, today the one was on, um, helping migrant workers. And so they've already raised something like $250 and, They've donated it to another uh, a website that is working on this called Kiev, K-I-V-A dot com, which is helping entrepreneurs in uh, lower countries uh, work on this stuff. And so, you know, it's it's cool because that was one of I mean, these kids have probably learned so much making this one presentation about marketing, about information, mm-hmm. about, you know, how do you put together a good presentation about PowerPoint skills, about color. They've created a wiki that is amazing, and they all wrote essays outside of school time, wrote essays to go on their wiki. It's just freaking amazing. Yeah. It really is. You know, how do we... It's astounding what kids one? can do if you just get out of their way. <laughs> yes. You know, I've always said that so. education ought to be about giving kids an interesting thing to work on and then getting out of their way and letting them do it. Yeah. And, but and that's we tend it, not right? to do that. Well, and I think you hit it on the head, right? It's getting out of their way. We've got to get out of their way. Find what they're passionate about. Get out of their way and let them go learn. And be that guide yeah. on the side that we always say we're going to be. I don't know. Now, you, yeah. see, now you've got me all riled up. But Jeff, Why here's the question. Bring... Sorry, Chris. Help. Right, just real quick. I was just going to say, I had a... Um... 
Dave, <laughs> go for it, Dave. You, Dave, you, Dave okay. it's over to you. All right, all right, real quick. Um, bringing it back to our over over uh, arching theme of how to shift. My question would be for Jeff: uh, when you when you these kids come back and you come back, how can you share all that learning with the powers that be and the fellow teachers and say, "Look at this evidence. What can we do to support this? How can we get aboard get aboard this?" Using our analogy, this ship, and help us uh, get get moving in a different direction. I'm just wondering, how do you think that would go across? I don't know. You know, one of the somebody in the chat room just said, you know, um, so many of our teachers just don't get it. I'm facing uphill battle getting them to switch on to this stuff. And is it actually getting? And, and this is the thing: is it actually getting them to switch on to technology and the connectedness connectedness that it allows? Or is it allowing them to allow, or is it getting them to allow students to actually go out and find learning opportunities that they're passionate about, that they want to learn about? You know what I mean? I guess part of it is getting people, you've got to meet people where they're at, though, and take them from where they're at onto the next step. And, and the unfortunate thing about it is so many people are still at a really basic level. Uh, and you can go in and start talking about international collaborations and getting kids to connect and communicate and all of that sort of stuff. But... You know, I'm still dealing with people on a daily basis who need to be shown how to create a folder in Windows so they can file a, a document, like, you know, how, how to clean up their inbox so that they don't have 15,000 messages in their in their mailbox. Like, we're talking about some people who get down to really low-level skills comparatively, and there's no sense beating them over the head with it with a stick and saying that, you know, you guys need to be blogging and doing wikis and everything next week because it ain't going to happen. Right. Um, it is, I think, a process of getting people from where they are and leading them by the hand to the next step and then the next step and then the next step and hopefully taking a few of them on to where they really need to be. Yeah. All right. Well, guess who just joined us from South Korea? Hello, Clay. Aren't you supposed to be getting married or something? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Chris, this is your fault. You first cheered me with a beer on your own Ustream and then uh, told me to see you over here. Hi, Jeff. I didn't think Hi, you'd take me you seriously. Well, I don't want to hijack the thing of talking about the wedding, but the fiancé hasn't returned home yet, so I do have a few minutes, and I love your topic. So, <laughs> oh. All right, so jump in here. What do you think? Um, well, I, I've only heard the last few minutes, and just hearing Chris say that, you know, the reality is a lot of teachers getting – I want to hijack – I want to jump on Chris's point and say that I, I, I just want to keep saying over and over and over, and I think that Lindsay from Students 2.0 gets this. Um, and Jeff, you and I tweeted about this. I, I really think that we need to stop saying we've got to get the students to connect by going through their teachers and their classrooms. And I think instead we just have to only ask the teachers to credit students who know how to connect on their own as schoolwork. And, and Lindsay at Students 2.0 has set up a YouthNet account where students can follow YouthNet, and then they can go to YouthNet's page. She'll follow them back. And all the students can go to that YouthNet following page and follow all of the people that YouthNet follows, and that way they have an instant Twitter access to world Twittering students um, so that they can just set up their own collaborations. And that's Lindsay's idea, and I think it's, just a, I think it's the way to go because then you're not having to, to beg yeah. teachers to learn how to do this stuff. No, I agree. Uh, but the problem is, you know, she's doing this outside the school day, and not all of my kids have time to do this outside the school day. You know, if we're relying yeah. on that, that's one thing. I mean, I've got kids that go from, and like all of us do, I share, you know, but they go from the regular school day, and then they go to, you know, two or three hours of Korean or Chinese school afterwards, and then they have yeah. violin practice, they have soccer practice, and then on top of that, they're doing student 2.0 or they're building their own wiki or their homework you know what i mean i mean i yeah I, but, but no well but it's not true for everybody because Lindsay's doing that Lindsay's school has a fairly open network and my school has an open network my kids use twitter in my classroom yeah but you're a teacher that gets it how do we get more teachers to allow you to do that in our, in our school which is one-to-one -one, we don't filter or block twitter so students can um don't you think it'll be easier to say you know teachers we, we have Apple Remote Desktop now, so we can monitor what's going on on all the students' desktops. So if they have Twitter up, you know, my job next year when I'm full-time, except for one class, when I'm full-time coordinator, is going to be to just say, don't tell them to shut down Twitter. Make sure they're using it to connect and learn. And how are and you going to get not, teachers to do that? 
how do I get teachers to do that? Yeah. They've got students sitting in their one-to-one classrooms with their MacBooks open all the time already, and they don't know what's going on there. So they, it's already beyond their control because we're one-to-one. <laughs> <laughs> I like your approach, Clay. Don't let the teachers know what's happening. We're just going to learn behind the scenes. I like it. <laughs> well, but right now, the students aren't learning behind the scenes with these tools because nobody's training them. Yeah. Well enough. The teachers can't train them because the teachers haven't experienced these tools like we're doing right now. Yeah. But yeah. but so one by one, two by two, the students who do get it, like in my elective class or in some activity periods where we're doing web two O stuff, those students who get it and use it in the class and, and my job telling the teacher, don't shut them down when they try to do this in your yeah. classroom. Just let them do it. But make sure that they're not just, yep. you know, playing with Twitter. And in fact, I think it's okay to play on Twitter at the same time because I do, don't you? Well, that's how you learn, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, so playfulness is fine. But so that's my goal. You know, teacher, you don't have to learn Twitter. You don't have to experience. But don't shut the kids down because they're using it. Ask them why they're using and, it. You know, Clay, I think that's a big problem with school curriculums and, and, and school systems worldwide is there's never traditionally been any time built into the, to the current model of school as, as we think about it. Um, for this idea of play. School is supposed to be work. It's not supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be play. And if it was, then all of this stuff would be a whole lot easier to get started. Uh, yeah. yeah. And when you hit high school level, at least in American systems, where most of the teachers, especially for the gifted ones, poor things, um, or at least the, what, the careerist ones maybe, um, they want to yeah. be professors. And professors are notorious for having great senses of humor, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, these wannabe professors just think, oh, well, this is far too serious to allow play. Yeah, mm. so there is a big battle, Chris. You're right. Yeah, yeah. My daughter there are some is great 12 years old, and she started it. My daughter started Sorry. it in your school this year, and she's uh, 12 years old, and she started in year seven. And uh, feedback from the first week when I said, how is it, sweetie? And she said, ah, I just wish the teachers would give us some real work to do. We've spent all week making uh, title pages. <laughs> Yeah. And it's this mentality that school's all about giving pointless busy work. Yeah. And I think, I mean, is- you know, a lot of us say that at times too. And, you know, you know, it's going to be interesting, Clay. I, I'm excited for you in your new position to, you know, come in here and see just how difficult this is to get teachers to, to try and connect. And I don't know any, I don't know any way to bring a, I haven't found a way yet to bring a whole system on at the same time. You know, I think we all t- kind of take the same approach where you find that teacher that's willing to take a risk, try something new, and you start there and hope that, you know, another teacher sees what's going on in that classroom and wants to jump in and wants to jump in. And, you know, you can kind of build that grassroots movement of changing within a school. But I haven't even yeah. found I haven't found a school yet where I've been able to say, you know, and, and part of it's administrative and part of it's just the way schools are structured to say, you know, give me a week with teachers where it's just total professional development give them all a laptop and at the end of the week i'll make their brain hurt you know what i mean yeah so, we sort of did that at my school well that's good the, the entire high school because again we we went one-to-one and we didn't only go one-to-one we went one with mac books so our teachers had to have intensive development in order to learn how to use the freaking machine first of all and and then second of all how to ideally teach with it so um and and I don't again I'm I'm not sure that I want to try to get I mean I don't like trying to get all the teachers on board at the same time any more than I like trying to get all students to like school or writing or reading or thinking or whatever or playing um so and and you said it Jeff I just I think that the the more realistic approach is to find the ones who are and then let them do stuff that makes that turns everybody else's head yeah. And the change will ripple out that way. Yeah. And it's happening in my school. Well, Jeff, some, Jeff, some teachers are doing Jeff, you'd it. Probably, you'd probably be pleased to realize, Jeff, that um, that post you wrote a while ago about the questions to ask a teacher uh, at an international um, recruiting fair, you call them, yeah. hiring fair. Yeah. Um, I passed that post on to our head of uh, IT, who uh, then passed it on to the principal, and apparently those questions or a version of those questions are actually going to become part of the um, process for hiring new teachers at our school. Fantastic. So I think that that's actually, you know, I think if you can't work with what's there, then I think you start to make sure that the people you bring into the system can actually meet the requirements that you're expecting them to meet. 
And you're right. And Part of the problem is you're bringing teachers in that don't have these skills to start with, and then we Absolutely. scratch our heads and go, "How do we get professional development to bring these people up to speed?" Well, maybe they sh- maybe they're the wrong people to start with. Yeah, exactly. And you know, and and especially in, at schools like Clay School, who's one to one. You know, if if I'm an administrator yeah. at a school that's one to one, you better believe those questions or a version of those questions. I'm not saying those questions are the perfect questions, but you know, something along those lines better be what you're asking your teachers because. First day of school, they're going to get a MacBook, and you better believe we expect you to know how to use it and how to engage kids with it in the learning process. Or, have, at, least to, or at least to be willing to learn how exactly. to use it. Exactly. And I mean really to know willing how to, learn. to learn. Yeah, really be willing to learn. You know, I had yeah. – yeah, But what does that mean? What does that mean, be willing to learn? Because like, I think a lot of people will say, yes, I'm willing to learn. And I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of a particular person I know as an example who uh, recently got a job in a one-to-one Mac school, or, or at least year seven was one-to-one. And she rang me like three nights before the interview and said, um, uh, tell me what to say in the interview. <laughs> and like, I'm sure she has good intentions and I'm sure she'll do the best she can, but you've got to ask, is that really the right person for that job? Well, I and here's where, I mean, Jeff, I sent, my, I sent your questions, that post also to my uh, principal next year, he's the director. And um, I had already given him some some questions far less uh, quality and in-depth than yours, but still along the same lines. Um, But this year I was just saying, I said, look, if you want to attract the teachers that are going to make this one-to-one thing work, let me – how do you find them? They read the blog, so let me simply like put a little badge in my sidebar saying work at our one-to-one school. I did write one post, and we got a lot of hits that way. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that – and and I know Justin Medford in Bangkok. You'll probably do this, Jeff, when you go down, right? He interviews with the administration when they do hiring fairs so that, you know, they can't fake it, Chris, like you were asking. Yeah. And for me, learning equals risk-taking. You know, that's that's what I see as learning. And, and you're right on, Chris. But to me, it's not only learning. It's are you willing to take that risk and try something new and be prepared for it to fail? I mean, we're on our fifth show, and it's failed twice. <laughs> You know, but it's it's being on that it's being on that edge and understanding that we learn through failure and it's only through taking risks that you can reach that point. And I think teachers have it even easier. I mean, because there are people like all of us sitting at their school that when they do decide to take that risk, they're going to be supported along the way. And the chance of it failing is going to be, you know, very minute because you have somebody there who understands it holding their hands. So maybe that's the wrong question. Maybe the wrong. Maybe the question isn't, "Are you willing to learn?" Maybe the question is, "Are you willing to take a risk?" Ooh, there's the blog post. Yeah, I would just say, yeah, "Are you willing yeah. to jump? Are you willing? Are you are you willing to jump in?" Because jumping in is the risk, and that's how you learn. Yeah. There you go. I gave somebody a blog no. post. Somebody's got to blog it. <laughs> and uh, Clay, jumping in, Dave here um, to our essential question of how to connect and one of the levels we were looking at was hardware and having ubiquitous uh, connectivity and I'm just wondering what are some things you're noticing there with your laptop program just some of the behaviors with the students and ways that they are connecting and learning that that's organic coming from them and like you're saying it's definitely not going to be coming from many of the teachers uh, what is what are some things that you're seeing there when it comes to uh, your laptop program? Okay, well, it being now, what, six months old, um, it's still minimal. The students don't have their head around connecting. They have their head around gaming and Facebooking. Um, and that's okay because, again, I'm, I'm waiting for the, the ones and twos and threes to start the, the avalanche. And, and we had, it's a well-timed question because two days ago, or yesterday actually, uh, one of our sophomores, who's in my Project Global Cooling, Skyped into Australia, Melbourne, by invitation, into a classroom at a girls' school, along with another student in Project Global Cooling in Hawaii, Lindsay, uh, who started YouthNet. And um, so Patrick and Lindsay are both were part of this uh, you know, environmental club worldwide, trying to get new schools to join. And Jenny Luca, who blogs at lucasept.wordpress.com, I think, um, she's been blogging only since January of this year, and here it is, barely March, and she has got Korea and Honolulu Skyping into her Melbourne class to talk to her students to get her her school involved in um, global collaboration for 
you know, real world environmental work and all that sort of thing. So, so Patrick was released from his Spanish class where he had to give a presentation um, to, to do this instead, to be ambassador and, and go into an Australia classroom with another student from Honolulu. So that's the kind of stuff that we're seeing. But notice it's not part of the curriculum yet. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, uh, and, and Patrick also, see, I've, I keep talking about Patrick. Patrick is our student early adopter, and he's doing things that are turning my head. He called Bill Farron, who did the Did You Ever Wonder video that sort of like says, let's talk about well-being instead of just the economic focus of Did You, did you Know. And it's not just yeah. the economic focus, but the way it can be interpreted that way. And, um, and so Patrick called the Caribbean from Korea on Skype and did an interview on Skype, and just like we're doing now, recorded it and podcasted it. And it's good stuff. I was at first listening to it. This is so nice. You know, a student podcast. But I kept listening. I was like, this is damn good. Yeah. This is, you know, so, so little by little, that sort of thing. Other students are starting to notice. They're starting to come up to me during lunch after school, that sort of thing. So it's, it's and notice I haven't talked about any teachers doing anything at all. Yeah. 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 But I have to say, we was, do have uh, a few teachers. I'm, just, I'm sorry, we do have a few teachers who are doing good stuff. So it's, it, is, it is showing promise. I'm done. Yeah. I, I don't want to sound like I'm dissing on teachers, and certainly not the ones I work with, obviously, um, because most teachers, their hearts are in the right place, and they're good at what they do for the, for the area that they work in. It's just they're not all necessarily up to speed with technology. I mean, some teachers do some incredible things in the classroom, but they just don't necessarily connect with what we're calling a 21st century education. I agree. And there's a lot that, that you've got to say. I mean, there's a lot more to being a great teacher than necessarily being, um, you know, super tech savvy. And there's plenty of great teachers out there who don't necessarily get this stuff, but they're still great teachers. And it's a complex thing to define what it is to be a great teacher. Um, but I think what the point of what we're talking about tonight is saying is that as we move further down the track of being, um, you know, into this network world, that the teachers who can't jump on and accept some of this other stuff as well as being the great teacher that they currently are, are doing their kids a disservice. You know, we talk a lot too about connecting outside of our school. Are, are, I mean, what are, is anybody doing anything to help kids connect within your school? And I think this goes back to what David was kind of saying, you know, are we putting systems in place within our schools to allow our 11th graders, for example, who might not see each other all day, a, a way to connect around a topic or around learning something? I mean, are, well, I'll like, just throw in, I'll, can I just throw in two cents worth there? Yeah. Um, I had a, a year 10 group, uh, well, going back a couple of years now, um, who I was getting towards the end of the time I was at this particular school and I was kind of at the point where thinking, well, I can kind of get away with anything I really, so I'm going to try a few different things. Um, uh, and so I set this task for these kids that was basically a, a whole term's worth of work, 10 weeks worth of work. Um, and the, t- the, the, the learning task was essentially pick something you're interested in and work on it. And uh, I figured if they wanted to hang me for it, they could, but I'd be gone by the end of it, so it didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. And uh, ki- kids were picking some really, really interesting things to do. I'll give you two examples. One kid um, had never had much to do with Linux. It was a Windows school. He'd heard Linux was interesting, so he decided to build a Linux box. So I dug around, found him some hardware to use, and this kid had to go and download the distro, unpack it, figure out how to unzip it, uh, figure out how to make it work. Uh, as he's doing all this, one of the other kids in the class says to him, oh, my father's a, um, a, a, um, a Unix engineer with um, one of the big software companies here in Sydney. I said, oh, well, can your dad come in? So his dad comes in and presents a little presentation to the class on the history of Linux or whatever, and then sits there and works for two hours one-on-one with this kid building this Linux box and helping him sort out all the issues and stuff, and then starts emailing each other to, to you know, so this kid got really into it, uh, and he's, he's liaising with this Unix engineer about how to make the whole thing work. So I thought that was a classic example of, you know, this real-world thing. Another kid in the same class who was a special needs kid who generally most teachers wouldn't have expected could really work at a particularly high level. This kid particularly loved gaming, and there was one game he was into. I think it was called, uh, I don't know, it was a Star Wars game, Jedi Knight, I think it was called. And so this kid is building, um, he downloaded the level editor for Jedi Knight and starts building levels, and they were the most incredible 
convoluted, complex, labyrinth sort of levels that he was building. He was going into Photoshop and building his own um, uh, textures and stuff, which was then overlaying on these levels. Uh, and built quite an incredible set of levels for this game, which he then uploaded to the community online, and people were then playing online. Uh, and he was getting this real-world feedback from people who were out playing his levels and feeding back to him how good they were. Uh, this is a kid who most people would not give a D to for English. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Chris, well, there's people, uh, real quick, there's right. people in the chat room, Chris, who want to know what school you're at and kind of what you're doing down there. Uh, at the moment, uh, and both of those examples I just mentioned are not from the school I'm currently at, but the school I'm at is uh, Presbyterian Ladies College in um, in Sydney, uh, PLC. Okay, good. From the ITC coordinator. All right, we've uh, got sorry, a... I, I, ICT uh, integrator. Oh, we've got we've got other people from Oz uh, in the chat room, so they're just wondering where you're at down there. So. Right. But I, I, you know, I had a, a similar thing last year with my TeamTech.com, where basically I had I created a I bought a website for the kids and handed it over to them, and they ran it. You know, They elected a couple of administrators who actually hacked up Drupal themes and ran the whole thing. But what I found in class was they got into this Flash game that was a free download, and you could build, uh, you could do kind of the same thing where you could build levels for it. And so what they started doing was a whole section of the kids went off and just started building their own levels for this game and then re-putting them, or republishing them on the teamtech.com website. And so it became part yeah. of the class was game making, but it wasn't just game making. Like if you sat there and watched the math skills they were trying to use, you know, and speed and velocity and all these different things that, you know, they should be learning in school. And here they sit. And because I allowed them to play a flash game, they were learning, you know, or they were at least taking what they were learning in their classes and applying it to something else uh, as a, as a model of learning, which I think is pretty cool. Mm. It's totally cool. And the, yeah, the, the problem solving and critical thinking and all those things, the creativity, all that stuff comes out in those. But again, the, the funny thing that we keep on, that runs through all this, all of these things we're talking about are elective classes outside of the, the prescribed curriculum classes. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm. You know, and one... that's why next year I'm teaching, uh, my, my principal today just approved this class. Next year, I am teaching one class while, while I'm still the coordinator or whatever you want to call it. I like your title better, Chris. Um, and and he approved this, and I, I'm excited by it because it is an elective, and it's called Advanced Writing and Multimedia Projects. And he, can I read the blurb? Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So here's what the students are going to see in their course description. For real writers and creators, real writers and creators, love to write, to speak, and or to make films, wish there was a class where you could work on your own ideas, your own projects, and learn advanced podcasting, filmmaking, writing, blogging, social networking, this class is for you. You design your project or projects. You develop them however you want them to go. And you get feedback from your teacher on the quality of your writing and other multimedia, podcasting, movie making, <laughs> blogging, social networking strategies. If you choose, you can learn stampeded. to market. If you choose, you can learn to market your project for world attention. It will be yours to continue in coming years when class is over. Projects can be creative or nonfiction, text only, multimedia only, or mixed. Interaction and collaboration with the world students in Australia, the USA, Europe, and Asia via Skype, Twitter, and other tools is encouraged but not required. Prerequisite, and here's my favorite part, prerequisite, by interview only. And my principal approved this. Bring evidence, bring evidence that you actively write, podcast, make movies, etc., and be able to describe the project idea you want the freedom to work on in school. Bam. So we'll see how that goes next year. You know, it's always the honeymoon thing. You love the idea. And then when you try to implement it, it's like, oh, yeah. you know, it's... well, everybody in the chat room wants you to post that now on your blog. Everybody's asking for it in the chat room. Everybody wants that. So make sure you post that on your blog because everybody else is going to steal that. Because that's fantastic. Yeah. You know, and one of the things yeah. we're doing at our school is trying to get kids to connect within our school. So like one thing I like about our blogging uh, platform, you know, we, have, we run WordPress MU, but I went in and I hacked up the dashboard side of it so that it has a site-wide feed from all 600-plus blogs that our kids have. And so when kids log in and they get to their dashboard, they get the latest 15 things that have been blogged about. And so, the, I mean, the other day, there was a senior who left a comment on a fifth-grader's blog. You know, And we have seventh-graders who are commenting on 11th-graders thinking in TOK class. 
and just to get those kids connecting within your school. And that is happening within the classroom, which I think is pretty cool because teachers are giving time for kids to go work on their blogs and to go and comment. And so that is happening in the school day within what's happening in school. And we're getting kids to connect. And I, you know, once you get kids to connect like that within your school, I think it's a very small jump to send that, you know, to other blogs in other parts of the world and have kids, you know, start creating their networks that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic, Jeff. That's a nice thing. Well, you know, that's what I like about it. And that's what I've tried to do is trying to create a system that allow kids to connect within our school. I mean, you know, we all, this time zone thing sometimes really sucks. And so we're all on the same time zone. And so getting those kids to talk amongst our school first, I think is, is one way to really get them to start connecting into this network. And then, you know, to, to go from commenting on a blog here at SAS to commenting on a blog in South Korea is not that big of a jump. The kids need a, a link and they go there and they understand how to read and they understand what a comment is and how to leave your address behind. So you get that ping back. And, you know, we're teaching all that within our system and our system's completely open. Anybody can go there, blogs.saschinaonline.org. And uh, there's a site feed down the right-hand side. You'll see the latest five things that have been posted from our kids. And they post constantly. And it's been so, so cool. Yeah, Jeff, I've got to learn that from you. I'm yeah. sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Well, no, uh, I, just I was just going to say. That sounds great. Go, David. Yeah, I was just uh, – one of the things that we've been talking a lot about previously was all this, as you said, external connectivity uh, just kind of bypassing what's happening in, in our schools. And so uh, this seems so obvious, but what a great way to use technology to, to make this happen. And then maybe the next step, like we were saying earlier, is to, to build in the structure and the schedule to allow people to come together face-to-face so they're not having to do it uh, electronically. So I think hitting it on both levels uh, is just going to expand that learning community within your school walls. So that's fantastic. Well, from on the on in the trenches of the one to one school, what the parents freak out over the idea that their kids are chatting, yeah, um, that they're not paying attention to teacher um, or whatever whatever <laughs> the thing in the classroom is, uh, you know, all seven hours that they're in class, and so that's that. There's a tension there, and my, my principal director and. All of our principals are really good. They're, they're, they're getting it, and they're, they're fighting the battle with the parents, saying, you know, yes, we understand, but done right, there's so much to be gained by letting them do it, right. that blah, blah, blah. So our challenge is to use that Apple remote desktop to, um, to lock down a few students who are just, you know, totally abusing the system. And just as if they punch somebody in the nose in the hallway, give them, quote, punishment for violating a, a, an online policy. Um, but don't punish everybody for the irresponsibility of a few. And, um, but, but Jeff, I want to, I want you to Skype into me again the next time I'm in school so that you can walk me through setting up a portal for my school, because I don't have the kind of portal thing that you have that allows everybody to see on one page, the most recent post right now. We, we just have the login page for our WordPress MU. And so there's no like, you know, one-stop shopping for kids to see what they're writing. Yeah. And like I said, right, yeah, we yeah. have this site-wide feed that's on the on the main page. But I think the part where most of our hits are coming through is that WordPress MU allows you, like, you know, when you log into WordPress, you go to the dashboard, and all it is is an RSS feed coming from WordPress.org. And so you can actually replace that RSS feed with any RSS feed you want. So I've replaced it with just the site-wide feed coming from our teacher site and from our student site. So the students log in, they see the last, uh, five things that have been blogged about from any teacher at our school and the last 15 things that have been blogged about by kids. On their dashboard? On their dashboard, yep. How interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, huh. yeah you know, and I mean, I think that's something, you know, that schools are are starting to look at, and we've talked about this a lot, and, uh, you know, just how do we build these, how do we build these portholes that allow kids to connect, you know, either in school and out of school? You know, and not only allowing our kids to connect out of school, but allowing them to be connected to, you know what I mean? We've got to allow that connection in. And like you said, you know, uh, too too many times we, 
we blog, but we, you know, put it password protected so kids can't get in to find our kids. And that's one thing that I've loved. I mean, our administration has allowed it to be open. And when you set up a blog, it's live that instant, period. And the yeah. kids and all of our, you know, all of our fears about kids using it uh, the wrong way, we haven't had one issue about kids posting something they weren't supposed to. I mean, that's, it's just been amazing. They understand that this is their space and they have so much respect for it. And maybe we've just done a good job educating them, but I, you know, there's a, they, they know this stuff. They're in Facebook. They're in Zanga. I mean, we've got fourth and fifth graders that are, you know, playing social networking games all night long. I mean, they get this stuff. We just got to allow them to get there and let, and allow them to get a personal space that they can personalize, that they can talk about, that allows them to connect and be connected to. Mm. All right, so that's the show. Uh, no. <laughs> you ready to, you want to jump into blog post of the week there? Yeah, why don't we do yeah. that? Go ahead, David. Why don't you get us started? All right. Uh, I've got a couple. One, one of them deals on the hardware uh, topic of how to make connections. I just ran across a, a, a blog called the uh, Far Side of Tech where Intel's come out with a, a re- uh, chipset recently called Atom which is smaller than the latest and even lower power consumption, but it's, it's just that continuum of these chips getting to the point that our handhelds, these computers, can do so much for us, and hopefully that the battery life can last longer. Because as a handheld user, I just keep waiting for that handheld that does everything and the battery holds up, and hopefully Apple is moving in that direction. Um, but I'd... I'd love them to see to see them come out with a device really structured for the education market. And the second site uh, ties in really well with this idea of uh, students, in a sense, bypassing what's happening in the classroom. And we talked about this uh, at the Learning 2.0 conference back in the fall. Uh, Jeff Nugent, who's a, an instructional technologist at Virginia Commonwealth University, he posted um, about the possibility of, of Google University, uh, it's in beta right now, but moving all the way to the mainstream where uh, they used all their resources to go out and find resources to provide classes for folks to come in and just have the, the world at their fingertips. And Jeff had shared with me working at a, a the university there the idea that students could go out through their social networks and their friends that they're meeting um, that are at other universities and actually go into their classes, their online classes, and find information or find professors at another school that, who are doing the job better and saying, hey, I want, that's where I want to get my information for Psychology 101. And so I think that kind of thinking really ties into this idea of a Google university. If they really come on the scene and put all their... Uh, finances and brain power behind this, it seems like a real opportunity for uh, high school students, middle school students, college students to say, hey, this is where I'm going to go to learn, where I've got the cutting-edge technology in, in, in the world at my fingertips. So I thought that that's a, a, a real way to make the connection to our topic today about uh, how to make connections. Awesome. Mm. Uh, Chris, why don't you go ahead and go next, if you've got a blog post to share? Uh, sure, yeah. I actually read something the other day from Clarence Fisher, and I think Clarence is actually listening at the moment. Uh, so, hi, Clarence. But, um, yeah, Clarence wrote an interesting one on uh, OS and education, the post was called, and uh, he was talking about how his classroom had 10 Asus EPCs show up in the classroom. Um, and I actually have one of these that will be sitting in front of me that I got today. Uh, interesting little box. But what he was saying that, I, that struck me as uh, intriguing in terms of connections and collaborations is that half the machines have XP on them and the other half have Linux. And his um, observation of watching the kids starting to use these new machines is just the different ways that they're relating to the different operating systems. So within his classroom, he's got some machines running Linux, some running uh, Mac OS X and some running Windows XP. And just this this observation that when they get onto the Asus, or Asus, however you say it, uh, the EPC running Linux that the kids take on this whole collaborative mindset because the tools that are sitting in front of them are tools of collaboration. 
on the on the opening screen of the EPC Linux version, you're faced with Google Docs and Wikipedia and Skype and Messenger, and you're sitting there staring at a bunch of collaborative tools. Um, when the kids go onto the Mac to do some stuff, you know, they they tend to he, he thinks they tend to do uh, to take a more creative mindset because again they're sitting there looking at tools which are tools of creativity, like iMovie and GarageBand and so on. Um, and uh, I'm not sure we figured out what they're doing when they get onto the Windows machines, but anyway. We're processing, yeah. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I just had to slide that in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> but I just thought it was an interesting observation about we, we talk about uh, connecting and collaborating and maybe the tools that we're actually putting in front of kids as a, as a baseline have a lot to do with the mindset that gets created in, in uh, you know, them actually going and doing that collaboration. So, yes, that's what I thought was interesting, remoteaccess.typepad.com uh, for that post. Excellent. And we'll, ha- we'll have all those posts in the OS show education. Too. Yep. No, that's good. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because I have an XO laptop, and it's the same thing as kind of the, the Acer E where, uh, you know, you open it up and there's a chat, there's a chat function. It's really made to be collaborative, which is cool because, you know, it's made to give to people to get them connected. And you open it up, and that's the way it feels. Like you're instantly looking for a way to connect and get things, you know, share files and do all that stuff. That's great. Clay, why don't you go ahead and go next? Okay, I'm going to share a, uh, since we're talking about getting, what, teachers to connect and all that sort of thing. Um, Because I'm the English teacher, the English department head at the high school, um, our English staff sort of all agreed last year that we would do school-wide blogging in the high school for the students, and that meant that the teachers had to start, English teachers, mind you, had to start writing themselves, blogging, That's theoretically. <laughs> and so I'm including a link from uh, next year's English department head, Lori Porter, who's a great writer. And, you know, I blogged about this. I never realized what a great writer she was because I'd only ever read her emails. And um, she <laughs> was trying to figure out Technorati, and she linked to my blog. in a comment where she said, uh, uh, Clay Burrell, colleague down the hall, the scary guy that is going to talk to me about computers again, turn my, light, my next light on today. And she talks about Bloglines Beta and how she can comment on students' blogs using Bloglines Beta without having to leave the reader. And, um, and she, so I was happy to, to read her post and just the wonderful voice and honesty. Um, could I write a post cursing when Mr. Loves Computers and Can't Understand When I Don't? pushes and pushes and keeps introducing more and more and more new. Yes, I could write that post, but I thank him and all the others out there for the constant shared excitement in the face of entrenched teaching habits, thinking, and frustrations. And so I was like, wow. And I wrote about that. And so a bunch of people came into her blog through my blog to leave comments. And um, here's, so here's where I like go, but, 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 because she doesn't, she doesn't keep the conversation going in the comments thread. She doesn't answer anybody. So, you know, it's just a, it's an, it's a, it's progress. But that next thing, you know, discovering that blogging isn't just hitting publish, but but is continuing the conversation in the threads. Yeah. Um, interesting stuff. That's all. Yeah, no, that's good. You know, and the nice thing is, you've got her that far. It'll be, it's easy to get, make that next step. You know, um, yep. which is nice. All right, the two links I'm going to share is uh, one called Drupal Ed, which if you know Drupal, Drupal's an open source platform. Uh, that allows you to have multiple blogs, wikis, everything's built into it. And so Drupal is a fantastic uh, open source to build kind of an educational porthole around. And we'll be talking about more about this next week, but I wanted to share uh, this week as well. The nice thing about Drupal Ed is some educators have gotten together who really like Drupal, and they've created an install that is Drupal, and they've added all of the modules that would be relative to education. So you don't have to go out and learn how to install the podcasting module or the wiki module or the calendar modules. That's all embedded in the one download. So you download uh, Drupal Ed, install it, and you've got a, a complete running system with multiple blogs, wikis, uh, you know, podcasting. It can audio stream, everything built in. So that's fantastic. The other thing is WordPress MU, and it's one that we use here at our school for our blogging platform. What I love about it is it'll scale to whatever size your school is. So right now we've got almost, we're almost ready to hit 700 student blogs out of a student body of 3,000 uh, K-12. So that's pretty good. I'm pretty impressed with that. And we just hit our 100th teacher who set up a blog slash website. 
I always call them websites because teachers are usually scared of saying blogs. So, uh, but some of them are actually using them as blogs, which is fantastic. But most of them start out as websites and then we can slowly move them into more of a blogging and turn on comments because you can turn comments on and off. So teachers, it allows them to go through those, that learning process together. So those are the two links I'm going to share. So. Cool. You know, it's interesting. Can I just throw one thing in there? It's interesting you should say that about uh, calling it a website rather than a blog. Uh, having a discussion with a teacher today um, about our Moodle server that we run at school. And in, in conversation, it sort of came out just how intimidating it is when she hears it called Moodle because she's got no idea what it is. And I'm guessing that a lot of these Web2 tools have these sort of funny names because um, <laughs> it's pretty hard to get a domain name for a real word these days. So you make a word up and get the domain name that way. Right. But it's it's actually pretty intimidating for a lot of non uh, sort of you know people who aren't in this space um, to they keep hearing these words that they don't really understand because they're not real words and they get intimidated by it um, and I think you're right I think that it some of the the challenge of getting people moving and up to speed is removing the intimidation factor by translating some of this stuff for them and saying well okay it, I know it's called a Moodle but really this is what it really is you know I know it's a website but we call it a blog, but really it's a website. Yeah. I think it's a really important step. Yeah, oh, I, I, I got to jump on that because the, I, I despise the word blog. I curse the person who ever coined it because <laughs> blogging, blogging is writing. And when we talk about blogging, people don't hear writing. And yeah. as an English teacher, it just drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and the students, you know, they're like, oh, I'm blogging. No, kid, you're, you know, you're writing, but you're being a real writer. Um, so you're yeah, being I'm a writer, you you're being a writer to an authentic audience. Then, yeah, that's what a real writer is, not a homework writer. Right. Okay. Okay. Which which is a contradiction yeah. in terms. Right. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Okay, so Will Richardson's in the chat room and he asked he asked me to ask Clay. Uh, ask Clay if he's thinking it's a different genre. Clay? Writing a different genre than what? Blogging. Is blogging a different genre of writing? Uh, it, yeah, and 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 so far as the audience, um, the readership writes also on the same page, and so you know, in traditional writing, we only pontificate our own ideas and never knew what people thought about them. But here, people people uh, modify your own thinking and ideas by leaving comments, and so you learn through what you read about what you write. So yeah, it's a different genre, but it's still it's writing, and it's got to be clear, and it's got to be interesting enough for me to want to read it, and that sort of thing. So. It's 21st century writing to me. But yeah, Rich, good question. I, or Will. Yeah, I, think, I think you approach the writing task differently knowing that there's an audience there too. Yeah, especially if you're a 13-year-old kid, right? I guess so, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking even for an adult. I mean, I know it's a different experience when you know you're writing and you know that someone's reading it. And, and absolutely for a 13-year-old kid. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, and, and the onset of blogging, me. The onset of blogging, I think, is writing, but it's the commenting that creates the conversation around a writing back, you know, around that writing that that is what makes blogging. And that's kind of how I explain it to teachers. I'm like, look, you're going to set up a website. Just think of it as a website. I know it says blog. It's a website. And once you get that <laughs> up and running, then we'll talk about the blogging aspect of it because it is a different writing and it, it moves you from posting assignments to your students to starting conversations with your students. And maybe that's the difference as well, is, is how you write. And maybe it is a different genre. It's an interesting thing to ponder as we continue the talk. All right, well, we need to start wrapping this up. We're sitting at about 56 minutes. Uh, David, do you want to go ahead and talk about what's up in two weeks' time? Well, it's really one week. Uh, because we postponed, we were going to get together with Justin Hardman over in Hong Kong. And our central, this was another a week or so back, and it just didn't work out. And so it's March 13th, uh, next Thursday. Our essential question is how to expand the learning community to the parents. But I think the discussion is going to go uh, much broader than that because Justin's going to share about the MyDragonet uh, virtual learning environment tool that he uh, built from the ground up, um, working with a couple administrators there at HKIS. So I think it's going to go in a lot of different directions, and it's going to... Uh, really get into the, today's discussion about making connections. And that's the nice thing. You know, all of these EQs that we're talking about, all these essential questions that we bring up, they all interconnect. And so it's, it's, it's been fun doing this podcast because we have an essential question, but we always 
get expanded into so many other directions because you can't talk about one little piece of it. There's so many pieces of it that come together. So that's great. All right. So that's it for this show. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And as always, continue shifting those schools. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You're out. We're out. Good fun. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Clint. I'm glad y'all could make it. Yeah, next Thursday.